0: Amen, Amen. you guys should go ahead and be seated here tonight. How's everybody doing this Thursday night? Come on, it's, it's good to be in the house of God tonight, amen. And amen. man, it was a good day today, very productive day. Um, we're going to get into the word this evening, though. I want to thank God for my salvation. Um, I'm grateful for him keeping me and continuing to use me, amen. I know that at any time, at any day, especially in these days that we're living in, man, we could we could clock out like that. It, you know, it can come in many different ways, sickness, violence, uh, accidents, attacks, whatever it may be, it's a blessing every breath and every heartbeat that we have, man. I'm just grateful to God for keeping me. Uh, I'm also thankful to our pastors for continuing to believe in us and and entrusting uh, us to do the work and and to be a. A member, not only of the body of Christ, but soldiers right here in the army and Victory Outreach East Phoenix, the banner that we raise up. Amen. And I'm also just grateful for my beautiful wife for continuing to, to be side by side with me in this battle. But tonight, let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to continue in our series. You know, it's, it's bittersweet. It's been a good, a good study. You know, we, we started in Ephesians 1 verse 1 and, and now we find ourselves cracking open chapter 5 and we only got one more chapter after this. Uh, It's been a good teaching, but tonight I believe that God's really going to move in a mighty way through these these texts that we're going to get through. Ephesians 5, and we're just going to start with the first two verses, but we'll end up covering half of the chapter. But Ephesians 5, beginning at verse number 1, the Word of God reads, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you in this place, Lord, and, and we're thankful, my God. We thank you, Lord, for not only sending your only begotten son, Lord, but for offering us the opportunity of salvation, my God, for we know that we live the life of sin, Lord, that only was, was payable by our death, my God, but you gave us a chance, Lord, you picked us up and cleaned us up, Lord, and tonight, my God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move in this place, Lord, allow me to step aside, God, and I pray for your anointing to fall upon your sons, my God, I pray for your word to pierce through the hearts, God, and and give us the direction and the guidance that we need, Lord. We thank you. We give you all the honor. You're worthy of all the glory and praise. And in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we all pray. Amen and amen. Tonight, I want to share a message with you guys titled, Just Like Daddy. Just Like Daddy. And we all know who our Father is. It's our Father in Heaven. And and we're going to notice, as we cover this portion of Ephesians, how Paul writes of many... Examples that we need to have to become like the Father in heaven, to have a, a heart like the Father, to live a life striving to have a righteousness like the Father. We know that we're never gonna be hundred percent sinless or, or completely holy because we live in the flesh and our flesh is, is carnal. We're not we're not hundred percent spiritual, so we're gonna fall, we're gonna bump our heads, we're gonna make mistakes, you know, we're we're gonna fail. But the thing is, is, is continuing to get back up, continuing to rebound, and continuing to serve the Lord. And I looked up the definition of imitate, and it says, to take or follow as a model. How many know that we're imitators of Christ this evening? We're imitators of the Father in heaven. And children tend to follow the footsteps of their parents, whether the qualities are good or bad. You know, some of us, maybe we had good fathers, majority of us didn't. Uh, if, if our fathers were even in our lives, uh, whatever male uh, figure or, or role model we had were the footsteps that we followed. You know, unfortunately, the the men that were in my family, they, they showed me how to how to be a womanizer. They showed me how to abuse alcohol at a young age. They, they showed me a life where, you know, I believed that I had to I had to fight to earn respect. Unfortunately, those are the footsteps that I followed and it didn't lead me anywhere. But today I'm grateful. And I'm grateful because now I have a Father in Heaven that shows me the right way. A Father in Heaven that teaches me to live a life that is is purposeful. Uh, A life that that has meaning, that brings true satisfaction. And in this teaching, we're going to see the qualities of our Father in Heaven that He leaves us as a model for us to follow in our walk today. To be imitators of the Father in Heaven, we're going to see the footsteps that He's left us. Because I know the footsteps that I followed I know the footsteps that were left before me. I, I, I see today that the footsteps that I lead, my son follows. Well, I remember when he first started to walk and And one day I was walking to the church service right here down the, the driveway, the alley, whatever you want to call it. And, and he was literally stepping in every area that I stepped in. And it was just kind of like God was showing me, you're going you're gonna to be his example of me. You're going to show him my love. You're going to show him who I am through the way that you walk. And I was like, man. Not only did I already feel the responsibility of, of leading you guys, the flock, now, now my own flesh and blood, you know, and I take it, I take it very, very highly as a privilege to not only be ministering to you guys, but even to be a father. Because I didn't feel like I was worthy of being a father by the time I had my son, but many of you guys today are also fathers, you know, some of you plan on becoming fathers and not only do we got to be imitators of our father, but God is teaching you how to be a godly father. But in order to be imitators of our Father, we're going to cover three points this evening. Point number one, a resemblance of His love. We must be a resemblance of His love. We need to have features, especially those of appearance, in common with God. We have to look and seem like God. See, in the previous chapter of Ephesians, we studied the warnings. The warnings of characteristics that we need to be cautious not to have. We were warned of not containing anger. We were warned to not uh, withhold bitterness or to hold bitterness. And there were many other flaws that we covered in the previous chapter. See, in pastors, they get to see the glory and the horror of every soul that they encounter. They get to see the joy when they marry couples but unfortunately, they have to see the, the sorrow of, of, of marriages. You know, they see the, the glory when a, when a baby is born. But they also have to be there to, to bring sympathy to a family that mourns when a funeral takes place. You know, we don't, we don't really see the full depth of what our pastors have to endure. Uh, we, we see them preaching and we're like, man, that's an easy job. I wish I could just get up there and preach. Uh, that, that, that's a job that you could sign me up for. It's like, no, nah, man, they... they, they They are here for the people. They serve the people of God in every area, every aspect that a person goes through in life. They're there when when people get to buy their first house. And they're there when when the house closes. and, And they're like, Pastor, I need a place to stay. Pastor, can you help us with some money? Pastor, can you pray for us? You know, they're there for all those areas. They see the horror and the glory. And we should, you know, we would think that common sense would allow us one of these situations, whether it be the joy of a wedding or the sadness of a loss of a family member, to assist us. to to urge and forgiving one another. You know, we withhold a lot of forgiveness from people determining on what type of altercation we've had with them. And and sometimes you would think like, man, a funeral happened. For sure, we could squash the beef at the funeral or for sure, because of the loss of a family member, now we we can make peace. But unfortunately, that's not the situation. I remember one of my funerals for my aunts, both of my uncles were gonna fight right there by the casket. They were about to throw a fist fight right there. No respect, both drunk, acting stupid. I'm just like, man, like, like, what is this? This is horrible. I'm ashamed to be part of this family right now. You know, I thought I was a disgrace, you know, but, but that's just the ugliness. That's just the, the lack of dependency upon God in our society that we live in today. First um, Peter chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. And today, that's the type of love that we need to have where we don't allow altercations to place unforgiveness between each other, where we don't allow you know, circumstances to, to cause us to see our, our brother through the eyes of anger, through the eyes of bitterness, or to, to develop revenge and vengeance or malice within our hearts. No, we have to be a people that allow love yeah. to cover the multitudes of other people's sins. Why? Because God was able to cover our sins, our multitude of sins, with, with His love. The Father gives us a love that helps to cover others' flaws. Just a few key points on on why we need to have a love like the Father's. These are sub-points. We're still in the first point. We are His children. We are His children. In 2 Peter 1.4, the Bible says, And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption by human, I'm sorry, caused by human desires. And again, here, this is the beautiful thing about the scripture. It says that we can share in his divine nature. Who, who can describe what the word divine means? Pure, Pure partially? It is godlike. Divinity is, is godlikeness. So to share in his divine nature is to share in a godlike nature. Again, the love that I've been given today, I wasn't taught that love. No, the love that I was taught growing up was, man, if somebody disrespects you, you cut them off. If, if you ever get burned, you never, you never look to that person's direction again. That's not the type of love that the Father in Heaven has taught us to have. No, the Father in Heaven says, you forgive if, if they offend you. Do you know how many times you were to forgive them? Seven times 70. Jesus told the disciples to forgive them seven times 70 times. Wait a second, Lord, you're telling me i got to forgive somebody 490 times a day? Yes, more than that, right? That's the type of love that God is telling us to have today. We are able to share in His divine nature. We have power from God to turn away from our old sinful nature and live a life transformed as a new creation in His divinity through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's Holy Ghost Thursday. and Man, you know, I wish all of you could have been there this morning. You know, but but it was such a good time in the Lord and in the Holy Spirit, man. That it's, I know that it's gonna overflow tonight. So don't worry if you weren't you weren't able to get it there this morning. You're gonna you're gonna get yours tonight, amen. But man, the Holy Spirit gives us power. It gives us fire. It gives us that 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 urge to keep on going when we don't want to go. It gives us the 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 fervor. It gives us a momentum. It gives us a drive. It's our fuel to keep pressing forward when we're not willing. Because why the the flesh is is weak, but the spirit is willing. Amen. Our old man is unforgiving unmerciful, ungracious. The new softens our heart so that we love unconditionally. This process of of my heart becoming soft was one of the hardest things that I've ever encountered in my life. To begin to to feel emotion and sympathy for people that were in a tough situation, I I, I was wondering why tears began to round on my face as I heard people testifying. And I was like, man, that's, that's some real stuff. Man, like this person is really going... Through a tough time, or or they really survived death. Where in the past it would have been like, who cares? Whatever, bro. Don't nobody care. You you ain't got nothing to do with my life, you know. But that was a process that God was doing within my heart. And here in the home, the power of the Holy Spirit, the divine nature that you're gonna share with God is gonna allow you to transform in your thoughts, in your heart, even in your soul, and the way that you carry yourself, your demeanor. I once heard a comedian say, uh, me, my wife, my two amazing kids. And we have another one. I was like, dang, so this guy's got three kids, but only two of them were amazing. Um, but he was joking. He was joking. But it was funny, though, because it caught everybody off guard. He was like, you know, it's like, I'm grateful, man, to be doing this comedy. I got, an, I got an amazing wife. I've got two amazing kids, and I've got another one. And it was like, dang. You know, but the way that God looks at us, He's like, all of you guys are my children, and I love all of you the same. You know, that's the amazing thing. The second sub point, we are His beloved children. Not only are we his children, but we are his beloved children. You ever you ever had a friend that their parents didn't really care for them? That maybe they were the black sheep, maybe you were maybe you were that kid, right? We're like, "Man, you know, all my brothers and sisters, they they all get that love, but I'm just I'm just kind of cast off to the side. I'm on the back burner. You know, they only get to me when when there's an emergency or they only get to me when when other people are around and they have to pretend like they like me, you know. But unfortunately, I mean, you know, with with God He he doesn't treat us like that. It don't matter where we're at. It don't matter how many times we fall. It don't matter how many times we bumped our heads or how many mistakes that we've made. God still loves us. He loves us and he loves us and he loves us. We are his beloved children. The father doesn't have favorites. The Bible says it over and over that he, he is not a God of favoritism, that he is a respecter of no man. What that means is that he doesn't place one man over another. No, we're all equal. We're all equal to him. As a matter of fact, He loves us the same as the Son, Jesus Christ. In John 17, verse 23, the Bible says, I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, and that you love them as much as you love me. The Father, you know, Jesus was praying that and saying that to the Father. I pray that that they would know that you love them as much as you love me. Right? That's the type of love that God has for us. That we are His beloved children. The Holy Spirit is in us. And that is our unity with God. When you have the Holy Spirit in you. I, I pray that you would understand what a privilege it is to have the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would be grateful. And, and, and just be so humbled that the Lord would place Himself in you. That that's God giving you that discernment. That's God saying, no son, don't do that. No son, don't go over there. No son, don't say those things. That's the Holy Spirit active and functioning through you. The gift that God has given us through the Holy Ghost, we have strength and we have love. So why not in return to the father? We live a life that reflects his love and use that power to resist sin. He's given us strength and love. Do you you receive that today? Strength and love. Use that strength to resist sin. Use that strength to become more like Christ. And use that love. Be a resemblance of His love. And then the last sub-point is we are blood-bought. We're still in point number one. This is the last sub-point. We are blood-bought. In John 15, 13, one of my favorite verses, it says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I I wish I had friends like that when I was in the world. I was, a part of a, I was a part of a neighborhood. I was a part of a gang that none of them could ever have said that they would do that for me. That they would lay their life down for me. Not until I came to Christ and Christ laid his life down for me when I wasn't even a believer. He laid his life down for me while I was a sinner, while I was rejecting him, while I denounced him. There was a time in my life I didn't believe in God or the devil. I was like, man, that's all, that's all a fairy tale. When you die, you die. Your body rots. That's it. Nothing else. That was my belief. I truly believe that. Because I was blinded by the ways of the world. I, w- I was defeated and paralyzed by the enemy. He had me all trapped up where I didn't even believe that it was him. That's how slick he was like, this fool don't even believe in me over here. I don't even got to do it. No. He, he's defeated himself. That's how, that's how the devil had me played. In our opening text, it mentioned a sweet aroma to the Lord. And, and you know where that comes from? In the Old Testament, they had to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Why? Who remembers why they had to offer sacrifices? On behalf of the family, right? For the sins. So the, the, the father, usually the father was the, the, the high priest of the family. The father would have to come and, and give an offering to the Lord on behalf of the sins of all of his family. He was in charge of his whole family. He was accountable for the whole family. And, and it had to be a blemishless offering. In other words, you had to bring an offering that was truly a sacrifice. You know, you didn't just come with a little boo-boo sacrifice or a little bootleg sacrifice and believe that the Lord was going to bring, you know, give you forgiveness. No, you had to come with the best of the best. Abel and Cain, the first the first brothers, Abel came with an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. The Lord said, I am well pleased. But when Cain came with his little bunk sacrifice, the Lord said, man, that's, that's, no, nah, get out of here with that, man. What are you talking about? He's like, go, you know, learn from your younger brother. Your younger brother has the understanding, basically, is what the Lord was saying. And that caused Cain to murder his his brother. But you know what it was? It was a sweet aroma. When it was a burnt offering that was given to the Lord, it was a sweet aroma. Do you know that when Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross, that that was a sweet aroma that was pleasing to the Lord? When one lays down his life for another, that's a sweet aroma to the Lord. And we need to be a man today that we're willing to lay down our life for the Lord because he laid his life down for us. The sacrifice that Jesus made was pleasing. His life was the only life that could have paid for the death of our sins. So as we come to Christ and live a life that reflects a love like His own, we are also living a living sacrifice that gives a sweet aroma. That that's that should be the way that you walk. It should be giving a sweet aroma to the Lord. I forgot who I was talking to the other day. They were asking me about incense. I'm like, what is the incense? Ulysses, that's right. In his verse... It was mentioning the incense, and that basically is representing the sweet aroma that goes to the Lord. Let's continue in Ephesians 5, 3 through 13. These are the next verses in our opening text. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on... Uh, will fall on all who disobey him don't participate in these things people do for once you were full of darkness but now you have light from the Lord so live as people of the light for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true carefully determine what pleases the Lord take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness instead expose them it is shameful to even talk about things that are ungodly people do in secrecy but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. Point number two, a reflection of his light. We are to be a reflection of his light. See, in this next portion of scripture, Paul gives us some examples that we'll break down to get a better understanding of what it means to be a reflection of God's light. And, we, it's, you know, in our ministry, we, we understand the promise of Isaiah 45, 2 and 3, that we are treasures Out of darkness. God pulled us from the darkness. We could all probably right now explain the darkness that we were in. You know, give a testimony of the darkness that we were in. That the Lord delivered us from. It was an ugly place. It was a cold place. I don't think any of us in our right state of mind would want to go back to that darkness. I wouldn't. But if we look at Ephesians chapter 5. I want to read 3 and 4 from the Amplified Version again. Ephesians 5 verse 3. Amplified text reads. But sexual immorality and all moral impurity, indecent offensive behavior or greed must not even be hinted. Remember that word hinted. Be hinted at among you as is proper among saints. For as believers of the way of life, whether in public or in private, reflects the validity of your faith. Let there be no filthiness or silly talk. Or coarse, obscene, or vulgar joking. Because such things are not appropriate for believers. But instead, speak of your thankfulness to God. Powerful text. Unfortunately, it's what we battle with in the home. If only that could only be applied. You know, like, like it was spoken this morning. For those that were in there, Pastor Danny basically spoke on on what we're allowing our ears to receive. And he talked about the, the, the deaf and mute person. And when Jesus went up to heal him, he put both of his, his fingers in his ear. And he brought revelation in that text that I never even thought of before either. But what Jesus was, was doing when he was putting his fingers in that man's ear was basically saying that the only thing that you need to let come into your ears is me. Yes. Amen. My word. My love. And it's true. And then the next part was that he, he, he spit on, Jesus spit on his finger and touched the man's tongue. And what he's saying is that not only am I the only thing that needs to come in your ear, but I'm the only thing that needs to come out of your mouth. I'm, I'm the only thing that needs to be spoken of through you, man. It was powerful. It was good. But again, it's like we're seeing the same text right here. The reason that I wanted you to remember that word hinted is, is the same reason I always tell you guys to stay above reproach. If you think of the word hint, when it comes to an investigator, let's just say looking at a murder case, forensics, what are they looking for? Looking for hints. For what? Move to see who, uh, who committed the crime. Right. The crime. For proof. Hints. We got your fingerprints. We got a hair follicle, right? There's a drop of your blood right there. You know who leads back to? The killer. Hints. So when the Bible tells us right here, it says, you must not even be hinted at among you as one of these type of people. Man, the Lord's saying, don't even give them an inch to believe that you're anybody but a believer. So how do we do that in our walk? We need to be men that we don't give hints that, that we're wicked, that we're evil, that we're dark. No, we need to change our lives so much that we don't even give them that much. When you're by yourself, when you're with the homies, when you're, when you're with the men, when you're at the job site, when you're at the church, when you're with your family, all the way around, you need to be the same man, which is a man of God, just like daddy. You got to be just like daddy. One, one sub-point that we can pull is that we need to be among saints, among saints. We are not to be conformed by the ways of the world, but renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are new creations. You know what saints means? A set-apart people. Not a santo. You're not a little statue in a Catholic church. You're a set-apart people. Come on. You're saints. You should should take that personally. I am a set-apart person. What does that mean? You're You're set apart from society. You're set apart from the world. God has called you to be a divine people. Among saints, amongst, we're just, I'm just pulling phrases that were in the, in the text that we just read. But if we look at first Peter two, nine, this is the text that pastor Danny opened with this morning In first Peter two, nine and 10, it says, but you are not like that. And before I go any further, I'm, I'm just kind of repeating what he did, Amen. but he said, you're not that anymore, yes. whatever you were before you came to Christ. You're not that anymore. Whether you were a drug addict, whether you were a gangster, whether you were a lowlife, whether you were a reject, an outcast, a a bum, you're not that anymore. So remember that. Let me read the verse again. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. We're among saints. We're among a holy people. We're among a people that are set apart. We've come from amongst the world. We're, we're, we're a people that, that we stand upon the word of God in a world that rejects the word of God. And Paul lists many sins that would defile a saint in those days and are still very effective in taking out saints of our time. He starts off with sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. You know, we see so much scandal among the church leaders and within the church revolving around sexual immorality. The only time you ever hear about a church on on the news is when a pastor molested a child or a priest molested a boy or they want to expose the dirtiness, Right? It's the only time you hear about the church on the radio. They don't talk about the recovery homes making such an impact in the cities and in the inner cities. They don't talk about the, you know, the code red reaching all the prostitutes. Uh, they don't talk about the, the gang reaching the youth the youth that are out there. No, they want to expose, oh, this pastor cheated on his wife. Or, you know, this pastor was scandalous in his own church. But sexual immorality, Paul emphasized it then and it's emphasized in our generation today. He, he mentions Greed. I want to give you the definition of greed. Intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth, power, or food. Especially when it's someone else's possessions, right? Greed. It's funny because sometimes we don't even want something until we see somebody else with it. Like, and you know what? I didn't even want that, but now I do. There's something that stirs up. Greed is an ugly, it's an ugly trait that, that begins to stir up. And if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to defeat it and to give us a strength to, to come against it, what's the opposite of greed? Generosity. The opposite of taking is giving. And we got to be a man that that we, we capture the heart of being generous. Why? Because God freely gave us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave. Come on. It's, it's, it's all God I'm telling you man the Holy Spirit's here the Holy Spirit's here guys. just moving and, and this it's, it's, it's message is for somebody tonight I know that this message is for somebody tonight see David King David struggled with both of these areas sexual immorality and greed he lusted over Bathsheba Bathsheba was his homeboy's son the, uh, son's wife that's a no-no where I come from even, even if it's just your boy's girl that's a no-no right there. So he's like a double no-no right there. Come on, the King double David. No, no. And not only was that a double no-no, let me give you the triple no-no. Why were you on the balcony just chilling while your whole team was out there in the battlefield? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. David was slipping. And I love David. It was hard because I, I, I admired David so much when I was reading the scripture. When I got to that portion, I turned my Bible down. I was like, man, what happened, David? Come on, David. What's up, man? What's, bro, three strikes in one chapter. I was like, man, you know, like, he he had just slaughtered Goliath. He came back with the head of the giant that he used that own giant sword to kill. This guy's a beast, bro. He didn't go to the battle. He saw his boy's girl. He took her. And then he got him killed in a dirty way. They said, send Uriah up to the front of the battle and then pull back. So he's up there fighting like, yeah, man, come on. Hey, hey, where y'all going, bro? What's up, man? We had to fight. Everybody's backing up. Why? So that he could be killed. But that's where sexual immorality and greed will lead us. It will lead us to do things that we never thought that we do. Was, was David forgiven? Yeah. But did he suffer the consequences? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. His family, his sons tried to kill him. His own son raped his sister. Just ugly consequences. God will forgive you, but do you really want to deal with the consequences? God, God says, man, just, just just turn yourself now. Learn from the mistakes of others. Learn from my word. They both saw weakness in us. I'm sorry. When you look at at sexual immorality and greed, you know what they are? They're both an appetite that we can't control. It's a weakness of our controlling when it comes to sexual immorality. Why? Because we're thinking with the other head. And when it comes to greed, we're we're not thinking with our heart, we're thinking with our hands. No, I need need this to be filled up. I need to have it in my hand, amen. We need to have that type of mentality. Is that why they call it appetite for destruction? Yes. You could call it that. See, in this study, I discovered a very interesting fact about character. You find out the heart of a man by two things. What he laughs at and what he weeps over. You can see a lot about a man's heart by what he laughs at and what he weeps over. I didn't notice that. I was like, man, that's true. But you got to be careful because in in, in that part of Ephesians, what did it say? Don't be involved in filthy, silly, or coarse conversations. So you could be all saved and then you're out there in the streets and there's some dude talking about some Cochino joke. And you're just like, ha, ha, ha. Seriously. Oh, by the way, you want to come to our church? God bless you, brother. Bro. Come check out the church, bro. What <laughs> the heck is that, bro? But it shows, it shows the, the, the true character of a heart. What do they weep over? You know, somebody could be having a, 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 a prayer request, man. Pray for my family, bro. You know, we just suffered a loss. And dude over there, oh, man, bro, you dumb, bro? Who cares? Nobody cares about your family. Hey, brother, at least show a little bit of respect, man. Have a little bit of reverence. Everybody else is all broken, and they're they're sympathizing with their brother. But I I didn't know that. I was looking at this, and I was like, man, there's two things that you can find out about somebody's character, by what they laugh at and what they weep over, or what they don't weep over. Paul wrote, let there be no filthiness, silly talk, coarse, obscene, vulgar joking, because such things are not appropriate. We reveal our true passions when we find ourselves in these type of conversations. You know, we got to be a man that we walk away. If, if you're not at the position where you can speak on it yet, I'm not expecting everybody to to become like room monitors and, you know, I don't need COs in the rooms. But I just need men, man, that like either either you speak on it, like, hey, bro, we don't talk like that here. If you're not at that level, then at least walk away. Don't be engaged in it. Don't be involved in it. It should be known. Oh, man, watch. We're going to start talking about this stuff and then Brother Lorenzo is going to walk out of here, bro. We're going to start talking, bro. Aaron's going to try to shut us down over here, man. Yeah, let them say that. You got that right, bro? Dang, dang, believe I'm, I'm going to tell you to stop that conversation. You better believe I'm going to walk out. Because I'm not that guy. No more. See, from the from the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Let's read Ephesians 5, 5 and 6 from the Amplified Version. For be sure of this, no immoral, impure, or greedy person... For that one is, in effect, an adulterer, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. For such person places a higher value on something other than God. Let no one deceive you with them the arguments that encourage you to sin. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, those who habitually sin. Key word, habitually sin. What is habitually sinning? over and over, and you think you're just going to come to service and ask for forgiveness, you think you're just going to go to God in prayer the next day and alright man, you know, I've been struggling with this masturbation, I'll just ask God to forgive me, go next day masturbate a little bit, go pray a little bit, next day masturbate a little bit, go and pray a little bit, like man okay brother, like you ain't, you ain't showing an attempt to change, you're not showing the attempt, this, this isn't a true repentance repentance is when you say God forgive me, help me to change and, and turn away from the sin now ask God to forgive you, walk away like, wait, I'll come back, Lord. Let me play with this a little bit more and I'll come back with it. No, you got to let it go. Habitual sin, you got to let it go. It was the motive it was the motive that Saul offered that you know he just wanted to cover it up he wasn't really trying to change see that's like us some people get caught doing stuff what happens they get mad because they got caught <laughs> well wait bro if the cops wouldn't have been there man i would have got away with it like bro you should be you should be asking for forgiveness for even doing it why were you even committing the crime why were you even breaking the law you should be sorry for that not because you got caught that's just like Saul. he was like man i got caught Oh, let me just offer the sacrifice, man. If nobody was there, they wouldn't have seen me doing it. Like, brother, that ain't true repentance. That's just covering it up. But that's the reason that we'll lose our anointing. We're kingdom certified. We are kingdom certified. Not only have we been given a new identity, but a new citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. You, you, you. Uh, the Lord comes to pick you up today, just like you crossed the border from Mexico to U.S. U.S. citizen. Kingdom of God citizen. What's up, Jesus? Good to see you. Anyone who doesn't value their citizenship will not receive an inheritance in the kingdom of God. In that text that we just read right now, it said, for such a person places a higher value on something. In other words, they, have, they don't have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. When you become an idolater, where you worship other things over God, you lose your inheritance. You give it up. You surrender it. Here, God, take, take your will. Take that inheritance back. I know you died and you gave me this inheritance, but I don't want it. I want this other stuff. I want the things of the world. I want things that please my flesh. The word whoremonger, it is defined as a person who has dealings with prostitutes, especially a promiscuous man. Basically, a sexually active person that uses their body for perverted purposes, for adulterous purposes, right? Now get this. The Greek word for that word is pornos. Pornos, right? We know that word today pornography, and if you look at pornography, it is derived from promis- promis- promiscuity, whether it be a fantasy or physical, the reason I'm sharing this with you guys is because, again, sexual immorality, it can become something, man, that, that you idolize, pornography, especially with drugs, man, some people that would use drugs, what are they doing, Psh, marathon all night, dang, brother, calm down, bro, don't even try to shake my hand, don't try to shake my hand, player, just one of these, there you go, bro, one of these, player, but man, it's, it's such a perverse thing. It defiles. It defiles the man of God. Today we're talking about being just like our daddy, to be just like our father. And our father is holy. He's clean. He's pure. But when we engage in these type of things, it can start off with a conversation. That's all. It, that's all it takes. Some people, that's all they need. Conversation. They're already in perverted land. They're already off in in socio land, right there in their mind. Like man, come on, bro. Like, like, you gotta you gotta cancel that conversation. You gotta stop those thoughts. You allow that egg to give birth in your mind. You know what it gives birth to? Sin. It gives birth to sin. It goes from here to here. From thought to action. All that that takes place is a little seed to be planted. We need to be men of purity. That honor the body that God has given us to bring glory and honor to Him. In Ephesians 5, 7-14, I'll read it from the New King James Version. It says, Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Sleepwalking. Is it a safe thing to do? No. Come on, man, you mess around and bump your head. You step on something sharp. Sleepwalking is dangerous in the physical. It's dangerous in the spiritual. He says, "Don't, don't live this life asleep. Don't sleep on the Lord. Don't don't live a life of death. That deadness will only lead to physical deadness, ultimately eternal deadness. We're children of the light. Our memory scripture says that if we claim to be of the light but keep our life in darkness, we're liars. We're liars. Don't, don't, Don't play the part and act something different. Don't say that you are and your actions speak otherwise. Be real. Be real. The Lord is saying be real about it. Light represents goodness. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is produced when we walk in the light of Christ. How can you tell someone is a, is a believer in Christ? They've got joy. They're faithful. They're kind. They're gentle. They've got self-control. Self-control. Peace. They've got the peace that surpasses all understanding. When we are true children of the light, that means we walk with God without secrecy. And without keeping sin in darkness. That's a, lot of, a lot of us have a problem with that tonight. But you gotta let it go, let that stuff go, man. You can't keep that that sin and darkness. You can't keep that that activity and secrecy. The Lord is saying, expose it. My light will expose it. When you come near me, I'll expose it. When you, when my Holy Spirit comes in you, it's going to be revealed. It'll come to surface, and I want you to be willing to give it to me. Hebrews four thirteen it says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He is the one. To whom we are accountable. You don't have to come to me to get into heaven. You don't have to go to pastor to get into heaven. So those games that are played, well, brother Steve don't know. Well, pastor don't know, man, but I'm busting the move over here. I'm slick. I'm sly. I'm wicked. Okay, bring it back old school. No, the, the Lord says, I see it all, man. I see, I see, you're naked right now. I, I see all that cochinero. I see all that stuff. I see everything. It's all exposed before me. You keep accountable to me, the Father says. We as Victory Outreach, we need to personalize this concept. See, when we allow the Lord to expose those things within us, we have a choice to either give it to Him or keep it in the dark. I'm grateful for those of you that took that bold step to give it to God. It was hard. I know, I had to do the same thing. It it was humiliating. I know, I had to do the same thing. It's humbling. Oh yeah, that pride killer. When your pride gets killed. When, when you feel less than, you know, but God's really doing the work that's making you greater than. See, when we take that choice and give it to God, His light shines through us and we become transformed. When we allow that transformation process to shape us, we carry the anointing of the Holy Ghost. This is why this is so important to grasp. We came from darkness. Who, who do you think would have been able to reach you? Somebody coming to you in a and a white collar with a tie and a Bible? Hearing, hearing a, 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 a person speaking eloquent words and holy are thou thy brethren of thy King Lord Jesus? Get out of here with that mess, bro. Or somebody that looks like you, somebody that came from a lifestyle like you, somebody that, that knows what it's like to come from that pit. See, when you walk in the light and you give God that stuff, when you go back to the darkness, you know what happens? There's something different about you, man, bro. You look like me. You talk like me. But there's something different about you. What is it? I want that light. I want that love. There's something about you that's complete. You're not broken. You're not empty, man. There's something that God has given you. What is it? Uh, there's a home. Let me come in. You got a bed. Let me come in. That's the anointing. You got to hold it precious, guys. Sometimes we neglect that anointing. uh Somebody else can go out there and hit the streets. Somebody else can go back to my neighborhood. Somebody else can reach my family. Nope. God called you. He called you. This anointing is what causes those that are still in darkness to listen to us and hopefully accept Jesus. It's nothing about you. Remember that. It's, It's not Ulysses. It's not the power of Oscar. It's not the charmingness of Jaime. No. It's the anointing of God. The anointing of God in us that operates through us. Do you remember when you wanted nothing to do with God or nothing to do with church? I do. I get out of here with that flyer, bro. Christ, I'm trying to go get faded. Talking about. There's still a lot of people that have that mentality out there right now. But you have a story. You have a testimony, man. There's something that, that you can use to break through. God has given us victory outreach, a special anointing to go to those dark places, to reach those people that are hidden, to reach those people that are bound and give them a message of hope. To give them the plan of salvation of Jesus Christ. We don't, we don't want anyone knowing our dark secrets when we hide that stuff. You know what was amazing about Jesus when he walked on earth? Everybody that he came around, he exposed their sin. Amen. He went to the well, and there was a lady right there, and he was talking to her, and she was like, Yeah, I've got a husband. He's like, Yeah, if you got five more than that, though, come on, somebody. Got exposed. When, when, when he seen the adulterous woman, he knew her sin. And everybody else, else was like, what do you say, Jesus? What should we do to her? All right, you guys want to judge her? Well, let the first one that hasn't sinned. Oh, he didn't just judge her. He called out the whole crowd. There's something about when Jesus is around, he exposes, the light exposes that which is hidden in darkness. So when God comes and he's, and he's exposing that stuff in you, don't hold it from him. Don't, don't hide it. He obviously can see it. He says, you're naked before me. Your sins are exposed before me. That's the Holy Spirit working in you. The day when Jesus arose to heaven, it was a new day for the believers in Christ. Why? Because he was no longer in the grave. See, by our presence here tonight, it shows you're no longer in the grave. It shows that you no longer live in darkness, but you're in the light. Like Lazarus, when he came out of the tomb, Jesus said, come out, come out, unwrap him, set him free. He's not bound anymore. Death no longer has a hold of him anymore. He said the same thing to you when he pulled you out of that death. By your presence, it shows, man, that that we allow God to shine his light through us. Why would we want to go back to that tomb? Did Lazarus say, No, I'm good, Jesus. I'm going to just... going to post up in here. Man, get this stuff off me, bro. Come on. Give me a plate. Who's got some food? Where's the barbecue at? I know y'all thought this was a funeral, man, but where's the food at? (laughs) Ephesians 5. 15 through 17. Give me like five more minutes. I know the guy's got to get to work. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. This is the last verses that we'll read in Ephesians tonight. The Word of God says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Point number three, a remembrance of His Word. A remembrance of his word. See, the benefit of the home, if you ever find yourself in a place trying to figure out why you're here, is the exposure of the word of God. If anything you take from our home, man, bro, they, they want you to get in the word over there. They want you to read. They want you to pray. They want you to memorize. They want you to do book reports. They want you to study. They want you to preach. Amen. You could talk about that about my home all day. The exposure of the word of God is what you're going to get in our home. Your average believer will come to church service, enjoy the sermon, and go on with the rest of their life without answering the call of God. See, here in our home, we expose all of that to you, but we push you to answer the call of God. There's a great commission that was given in Matthew chapter 28, 16 through 20. It says, I want you to go to the world and baptize every nation All nations, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, you've been commanded to reach the world, not by victory outreach, by Jesus, by the Lord, by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you've been given a great commission. In the home, you not only hear the calling, but you catch the vision. Not only do you internalize the vision, but you catch the fire. You are reborn. You learn the call, and then you walk. You learn the run, and then you soar. There's no limits to what God can do when you serve him. And as you dedicate your life to him, he gives you more than you could have ever imagined. Man, when I came to God, I didn't even think I'd have the things that I have today, that I'd be the person that I am today. But I kept answering that call. I kept waking up, lacing up my boots. Let's do this. I don't want to fight today, but I know I've got to fight. I don't want to work today, but i will put in my hands to the plow. I know that God's got something greater. He's going to give me the strength. He's going to equip you. He's preparing you. But you got to answer the call. You're not here for no other reason. This isn't a halfway house that you're just going to get rehab from to go back to the streets. No, nah, we're preparing you for eternity. We're preparing you for the rest of your life here and after. We're no longer fools. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that he chose the foolish things of the world. Everybody can say hello. 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 Paul wrote, don't live like fools, but those who are wise. Only a fool would just drift off into the ocean without preparing the boat or checking the weather circumstances. But a wise man prepares. He makes sure that he has the right boat, the right equipment. He checks the weather, makes sure that he knows what time to leave and what time not to leave. Today, you're wise men. You're not fools. Amen. we got to think. Think. It wasn't, wasn't the disciples? They were lost, huh? the Oh, yeah. They, not they were caught up in the world. None of them had a, had a scholar degree in school. None of them were high-ranking citizens. None of them came from families of significance. Again, hello. Right? That's us, man. We're the disciples. Hmm. Peter, with the yep. Peter and Andrew. They were both brothers. I think four of the disciples were fishermen. Either four or six of them, yeah. Four of them were fishermen. Um, there was other miscellaneous occupations. I have a good book at the home called Searching for the the Twelve Apostles. It's a good book, and it gives you all the descriptions of all the, of all the disciples. But a wise man considers a journey, what the cost is and what it takes. And I need you guys to do the same. I need you guys to begin to understand, look, man, I'm in this home for more than just a rehabilitation. I'm in this home for more than just a couple of weeks, a couple of months, you know, uh, just a year, and then I'm out. No, man. You're here to get equipped for the calling for the rest of your life. Life is too short. Come on. Paul wrote, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. We live in times of wickedness and it doesn't take a theologian to understand that they were bad then and they're even worse now. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Paul was implying, remember God's word, knowing and understanding his will. This has to be the biggest area neglected by men who have graduated my home and disconnected is they don't, they don't think or understand the will of God. When I've preached it to them the whole 12 months, bro, you need to answer the call. You need to plug into the church. You need to get involved in ministry. All right, bro, I'm going to go take a little break. I'm going to take a couple months off. <laughs> That's real. I'm serious. They tell me this stuff. Where are they at now? Six of them are dead. Some are in prison. Throw the rest of their life away. Some are back out there strung out. Some don't want to talk to me because of their pride. Man, I'm trying to help. We're trying to help people. I never look down on you guys. I, w- I want you guys to know that I, I never looked down on any of you. Because I was right there where you were at, man. Not even saying that I'm above anybody today. I'm, I'm neither that either. I'm right here with you. We're all on the same level. Same person, man. I just-, I just know the Lord a little bit. And all I'm trying to do is get you to know him too. To know that he has a plan for you. To know that he has a will for you. Men don't want to understand our God's will because they know the responsibility. It's cowardice, it's laziness, and it's ungratefulness to disregard the will of God. In Colossians 3.15, the Bible says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. We emphasize tonight on walking with purity. When we close out of the chapter, we're going to focus on walking in harmony. We only have one more chapter left in Ephesians, but we need to resemble his love. We need to reflect his light, and we need to remember his word. Let's all stand this evening. Come on. Let's give Jesus somebody hand of praise. Amen. But well, we got to be just like daddy. Just like daddy, guys. I want you guys to really think about that. Like, Amen. It don't matter who your father was on earth. It don't matter who your male example was. I want you to know who your your Heavenly Father is and the examples that He's given you to live, the resemblances, the reflections that He's given you to follow. Amen. Let's pray it out this evening. Heavenly Father, we come before you in this place, Lord, and we're grateful. We're humble before you, my God. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that the seeds that were planted tonight, Lord, knowing that they came from you, God, knowing that your word is already anointed and powerful, that not only would it land on soil, but fertile soil, God, let it, let it nourish and grow within the hearts of your sons here tonight, God. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the honor and glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we all pray. Amen and amen. Come on, somebody. <clears throat>